that's how I see it. That's how I used to see past tenses because I just don't. I know Melina don't like it either, and I used to love to see it, but I have grown wiser now. It's not for me anymore. So those of you that, that ski, have you ever been to Wolf Creek? Amen. Yeah, amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> uh, Wolf Creek is known uh, in Colorado to have the most snow. Even if the winter is not great in Colorado and all the other resorts resorts are struggling for snow, for some reason, God has blessed Wolf Creek. It's, it must just be in the perfect location and you get tons and tons and tons of snow. Wolf Creek is where I learned to ski. So spring break of my eighth grade year, we went to Wolf Creek. And I mean, there was so much snow that I remember the bus that would that would take us from where we were staying to um, the, the mountain. I mean, had a hard time getting there. So I'd never skied before. And if you've never skied before, typically you go to ski school. So I went to ski school the first day. It was from like 8 a.m. To, to 4 p.m. So they teach you the basics. They teach you, you know, what to do, what not to do, how to use your poles, um, how to snow plow, you know, which you get your skis like this, um, which is terrible for your knees, I'll tell you, tearing ACL. Um, and and uh, just all the things that you need to know so that you won't do something dumb. It didn't work. So we got done about 4 o'clock, and we had, you know, 30 minutes to an hour left before the lift closed. So we went over to um, the, the bunny slope, which is just the easy you know, mostly flat, just hardly any downhill at all, had to use your poles and your arms uh, were, were tired. Okay, so the next day, me and my friends thought, we've been to ski school. We're experts now. We can do anything. So we thought, let's, let's amp it up a little bit. So instead of just the greens, now those of you that don't ski, they label uh, ski runs three different ways. They have greens, which are a circle and are green. They have blues, which are intermediate, uh, and that is a, a square. And then they have black diamonds. This is where death is imminent. Okay? So we thought, okay, let's, let's go up, let's do a blue. So we went from trails called, you know, easy way out, the main green that goes from the top to the bottom and you can't tell if you'll show the map Brian th this is the you, you can't see anything on there but this is this is all of Wolf Creek there was one called Kelly Boyce Trail that we had done a bunch of times we thought okay we're gonna try one called Navajo Trail it's an intermediate it's not really that big of a deal but we were like hey this is great this is fun we can do this obviously they don't know our level because we've been to ski school I mean we practically have like a doctoral degree in skiing now because I have spent eight hours learning I mean, what more possible could I need to know? So we did Navajo Trail a couple times, and because we're, you know, 13, 14 years old and know everything, it's time to try Black Diamond. I mean, I'm still here, so it didn't go that bad. So there is this area called the Waterfall Area, okay? Now, you can see this a little bit better. So the Waterfall Area is beautiful, but treacherous. So you can see, and you may can see some of the names of these, they have names like Waterfall Gully, Snake Gully. 
big drop. Squeeze box, funnel, and my favorite is escape because it's a lie. There is no escape from the waterfall area. So we went to this area. So we get to the top. It's just right off Navajo Trail. And if you look here, the little blue dashes over here on the right, that's, that's Navajo Trail, okay? So we had taken that trail, and we get to the waterfall area, which is labeled with these giant black diamonds that says expert area only. Well, naturally, that was for us. So we're standing there right before you go into that area on our skis, and we're like, what are we skiing, Dad? Now, here's the thing. If you don't ski, that you don't realize. On greens and blues, they groom those trails, which means they have these giant tractors that carry, um, that pull this kind of metal grate behind it, and they, they groom the trails so that they're, they're compacted, they're smooth, um, that, that you have no problems. They don't groom the, the black diamonds, because if the tractor went down in that, that you wouldn't see it till spring. So it's a lot of powder. Now remember, Wolf Creek is an area that gets a ton of snow. So what that means is because they're not groomed, that if you're not careful before long, you're in snow that's taller than you are. So you don't want to stop because if you stop, you sink. If you keep going, you can kind of ride on top of it. So we start going, and I don't remember which of these trails we started on. That's not even the point. It was terrifying because not only do they have powder that's not groomed, they also have these things called moguls. Moguls are these giant mounds of snow that are hard. If you've ever watched the Olympics and you see them do the moguls, they make it look easy. Like from their waist up, these skiers don't move and their knees are just going back and forth. I would need knee surgery if I did that. So in, in my own expertness, to do a mogul, you just sort of go over them and fall and then put your ski back on and find your pole and do it again. So... It seemed like three or four days, but I think an hour or two later, we all made it out with our lives. But that mountain tried to kill us because we were dumb. I vowed, because I talked to God a lot during that moment, that I would never, ever, ever go on a black diamond again. And if he would just get me out of this alive and safe, I promise I'll do anything. I mean, we've all done this, right? This, this bargaining with God and God's like, you're going to break this promise. I did. I, I went on black diamonds again. But now that I'm older, I'm like, no, mm -mm, let's stick with the greens. I mean, Amanda and I went skiing Angel Fire a few years ago. And I think we spent most of the time in the restaurants and in the coffee shop because we're like, this hurts. And that was on the greens. I mean, these people that do the blacks, I mean, they're, they're impressive. This mountain, it was hard. I bit off more than I could chew. You guys recognize this mountain, this next picture? You know what that is? Mount Everest, right. In 1953, Edmund Hillary, and there's a, there's a picture of him and his, his, uh, his guide. His guide's name was Tenzing Norgay. They were the first people ever to reach the summit of Mount Everest. This is a big deal because people had tried and had never been able to succeed, and they were the first people to ever get up there. Now, on the way back down, this is the part that not a lot of us know. On the way back down, and you can imagine their, just the, the joy of the, the triumph of, of reaching the top of this mountain, Hillary slipped and almost fell off the side of the mountain. And his guide grabbed him, saved his life. 
so when they get down, the press is asking all kinds of questions about the trip and, and how was the climb and what happened. And so they were telling the story about how on the way back down from the top, how Norgay reached out his hand and, and caught Hillary and, and saved his life and kept him from dying. And, and they asked him about that. And, you know, how did you feel? And, you know, just all of these questions. just sing some songs you probably recognize the theme about mountains in our lives and mountains we as followers of jesus are fellow mountain climbers together and we should always help each other to overcome these mountains so we all have mountains challenges obstacles in our lives that we need to overcome and there are times that it seems like mount everest in front of us and there's no way that we could ever get over this so how do we overcome these mountains in our lives? Let's go to the scripture. Let's go to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 11. Jesus tells us exactly how to do this. Have faith in God in verse 22. Let me read it. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. That sounds easy, doesn't it? Have faith in God. Tell that mountain to go into the sea. Believe it. So what are the, some of the ways that we can do this in our lives? First of all, let's, let's go back to school. Anybody remember what a prepositional phrase is? The object of the preposition? Anybody in here right now that's in school is like, I did not come to church to talk about language arts. So have faith in God. God is the object of a preposition. Have faith in God. Faith in and of itself has no value. Just to say I have faith that I can do something is nothing more than having a positive attitude. The object. faith will not help you overcome a mountain. Only God can do that. Remember the story where Jesus is walking on the water and all the apostles are on the shoreline and they see him out there and they think it's a ghost. And then Peter, who kind of like me, thinks he was ready to ski down a, a, a black diamond, says to Jesus, Jesus, if that's really you, then command me to walk out onto this water. And so Peter does. He walks on water. Peter walks on water. He asked, he prayed essentially. It's like a prayer request, right? And he asked God to do something for him. And, and he said, okay, come on out. So Peter starts walking on the water. And then what happens? He, he recognizes what's going on around him and his surroundings and the wind and the waves and all the things. And what happens? starts to sink. As long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was fine. But the second he looked at everything else is when he began to, to drop. Are, are we not like that? Like we pray and we pray to God and we ask God to do something for us and we have our eyes on him and we are in tune with what he wants. 
And then the second God grants us our prayer, what do we do? We look away. We're not focused on him anymore. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 31, Peter gets to him and starts to speak. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and taught him, you have little faith. Why do you doubt? All the more so. We pray, we pray, we spend time with God, and then God just gives us what we want. And then we just go on and start doing what we want to do all on our own. And I'm sure he looks at us and just says, See, faith requires that we know the object of our faith. The more you know the object of the faith, the more you're familiar with the object of our faith, the more you're going to believe in the object of your faith. How many fishermen do we have in here? We're fisherwomen. Four? Has anyone fished before? There we go. Has, okay, now here's one panhandle this we don't really need to do this has anybody in here ice fished by chance really okay brad but you're not from here that's probably why huh you got to do that up like whiskey yeah so have you done it a lot or just once or twice okay so ice fishing sounds terrible to me first of all because it sounds very very cold (laughs) so i'm going to tell you a story as an illustration two men on ice fishing. One of them uh, is very familiar. He's done it all his life, knows everything there is to know about ice fishing. And then there's the other man who has never been before, doesn't know anything about it, and is a little bit scared. Doesn't have a lot of faith. We'll call that man, I just did it, I'm not going to say Jesse. (laughs) Jesse was like, seriously, again? So the man who is experienced and has ice fished a lot tells his friend, he's like, look, I promise we're in the dead of winter. It's going to be fine. The ice is not going to break. You can walk out there. You can set your chair up. You can drill a hole in the ice and you can start fishing. You are going to be fine. I promise. So the guy starts to venture off to the shore one step at a time. Very gingerly. Kind of shaking. Gets about three or four steps out there. Turns around and quickly walks back to the shore. He says, I, I just, I'm sorry. I, I can't do this. I'm too afraid because the ice will break and I will be in that freezing cold water. So the guy who fishes all the time says, okay. Grabs all his stuff, just walks like he's walking on the ground and walks out there, puts his chair down, drills a hole in the ice and starts fishing. You see, the difference is that the man that fishes all the time, had faith in that ice. He knew that ice. He had done it so many times. He knew that that ice was safe. The more that we know the object of our faith, the stronger our faith will be. So what is the purpose of our faith? Let's look at that again in Mark 11, 22-24. Have faith in God, Jesus said. Truly, I tell you, If anyone says to the mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. 
mountains represent challenges, the impossible. So the way to have faith in God is through a prayer and a relationship with God. That is the purpose of our faith. It's not so that we can do anything. It's so that we can have a relationship with the creator, with the one who created us. That's all God wants. That's the purpose of faith. So how do we possess this faith? Through prayer, through not doubting. That's a hard one. God wants us to grow in our belief and our faith and our trust. We have to spend time with him. We have to read him. We have to pray. I had a conversation this week with somebody who was talking with someone else and was just asking them, you know, well, are you, are you spending time with God? Because they were just talking about how they, you know, just kind of were, were, were struggling. Do you spend time with God? Now, I know I called someone this week and I said, hey, I had you on my mind. I wanted to just see how you were doing. And they said, well, I was just, I was just sitting down reading my Bible, doing my devotions. Let me tell you something. I have four kids. I don't have a lot of free time. You, you have to make an effort with faith and with a relationship with God. There's a sacrifice. Uh, one of my worship pastor friends at a church in Oklahoma one time was, was talking to me. And, and this was just a few months ago. And he, he was talking about uh, a frustration that was going on in his church and in his ministry. frustrated and you know, I don't want to do this thing. Several people on my team are wanting to do it and I don't want to. And I told him, and I may have said this one of the last times I was on my church, but I said, and I wasn't being funny, I was being serious. I said, you know, Jesus as a man, I promise you, didn't want to die on the cross. But he sacrificed James chapter 1 and verse 6. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That one hit me hard. The one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Any of you watch college basketball? Watch the March Madness. So last weekend, number one seed, Purdue, was playing the number 16 seed, Carly Dickinson University. Prior to this game, I would venture to say that most of the United States had never heard of Carly Dickinson University. Carly Dickinson is a school in New Jersey of about 12,000 students. Purdue is in West Lafayette, Indiana, has about 50,000 students. 
That's a huge discrepancy right there. The tallest player for the Purdue Boilermakers was seven foot four. The tallest player for Farley Dickinson was six foot seven and a half when he first started. So in basketball standards, Farley Dickinson had a very small career. I can assure you that outside of their players and their coaching staff, no one thought they could do this. No one. I mean, there were many people that picked Purdue to win the national championship. But wouldn't you know it, the game was played, and Farley Dickinson won it. The second number 16 seed to ever beat a number one seed in a tournament. Four number one seeds in a tournament. And Purdue was one of those four, so that means they're one of the top four teams in the country. Farley Dickinson had to play in a playing game where they didn't even get to the tournament. So they won their first game against, I, I don't even remember who they played. I think it was Kansas State. Uh, and then played uh, Purdue. Biggest tournament kid ever. But they had faith. Now, I'm not saying they had faith in God. They may have. I don't know. But outside of that handful of people, no one, no one believed that they could do it. There's a story just like that that takes place in Acts. In chapter 6, in the book of John, the battle of Gilgal. See, Moses had passed away. Joshua was now the leader of Israel. They had left wandering around in the Middle East, basically doing everything wrong, not listening to God. And God told Joshua what he needed to do in order for them to defeat Jericho. This is the 16 seed versus the number one seed. The walls of Jericho were very, very tall. They had an army behind them, full of people. And these were Israelites who were nobody. They were the they were the six foot six, six foot seven short basketball players compared to the seven foot four. And God told Joshua, for seven days, I want you to march around these walls. One time a day for the first six days. And when you do it, I want you to take the, the priests and have them blow their trumpets and carry the Ark of the Covenant with them. But then on the seventh day, I want you to walk around it seven times. And then those walls will fall. We know this story because we've heard it so much, so it almost doesn't sound ridiculous to us anymore. But can you imagine if you're spending time with God and God tells you to do something like this? I mean, could, could, okay, one more time. Can I just pray about it instead where no one knows? So they did it once a day. And I'm sure there were people within the Israelite camp that thought, this is ridiculous. This is never going to work. But Joshua had So the seventh day gets here, and they go around one time, two times, three times, four times, five times, six times. And then the seventh time, they go around. Guess what? The walls fell. They took the city, everyone except for Rahab the prostitute. They took her. And then they're able to continue on their little journey that they had on that day. They followed God's So what mountains do you need to overcome in your life? Typically, when someone asks you that question, or even if they don't, and you're just thinking about challenges in your life, 
you can very easily answer that question. Now, you may not like to talk about it, but you know what is in your life that is around the Lord. For me, I'm going to get real with you for here for just a moment. For me, it's anxiety. Anxiety is a weird thing. And a lot of people that don't struggle with it, they don't understand it. They think, I, I don't I don't think that way. It, it doesn't work like that. I remember the first time I ever had an anxiety attack. It was around Thanksgiving, 2003. And I, I couldn't put my finger on how I felt, but I didn't feel right. My heart was racing. Three weeks later, I had my second one. And the second one, I literally thought I was having a heart attack. I had this sharp pain right here that went down my arm. So they made me go, and I had to have an ultrasound in my heart, and they did a stress test. Those were fun. The anxiety won't kill you, the stress test. chubby and then after Amanda and I got married I finally was able to get off of it and then the weight started dropping and then you think well is something wrong with me because I'm losing weight for no reason so I went and went to the doctor for that and then I remember a year or two ago I was just on a Sunday morning sitting uh, on the back porch uh, before coming to church still dark out sounds logical and it sounds ridiculous but this is what anxiety does you have a pain in your back and you think that's it I have cancer I'm going to die or your kids are doing something and, and you overthink where they are and what they're doing and you go over every scenario that's bad anxiety is a tool to do that now because I have anxiety and I struggle with that, does that mean that I don't have faith in God? No. We are imperfect beings living in a broken world. And the thing I have to remind myself of all the time is that the battle is already won. You see, when Jesus gave his life on the cross for us and his blood covered our sins, that was it. Victory is ours. So I want you to think about overcoming mountains this morning. Think about those mountains that you need to overcome. And I want to encourage you this morning. His promise still stands today. 
his faithfulness is still great today. He hasn't failed us, and he never will. Just as Jesus told us in Mark, we must believe him. Now, does that mean everything is always going to work out the way we want it to? No, because we're in a broken world. But ultimately, for those of us who follow Jesus, it will turn out just for us. Amen? confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Maybe you have a mountain in your life today that you need to overcome. Or maybe you haven't done the first part of the belief yet, but you have believed in Jesus. That's all you have to do. Confess with your mouth doesn't say you have to come to church every week. It doesn't say that you have to take communion. It doesn't say you have to be baptized. Now, I believe that once we do this first thing, all those other things will come because we will want to do it. But all you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and you'll be saved. And if we do that and we get to know God and we become familiar with him and we spend time with him, then having faith in him becomes a whole lot easier because we won't be like the man who doesn't want to ice fish because he doesn't know the ice. I'm sure that as those Israelites walked around those walls of Jericho, that there were moments where they had doubt in their hearts. But they persevered. They did what the Lord asked, and the Lord gave them victory. So let's do that this morning as followers of Jesus. Let's have faith in God believe that he is for us and not against us. And I truly believe that he is with us. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the death on the cross and the blood that covers all of our sins. Father, I know that your promise still stands. We proclaim this morning that you, your faithfulness is great. Help us each to overcome every mountain in our lives. Help us to keep our eyes on you. Father, we believe in you. I pray if there's anyone in this room that has not confessed with their mouth and has not believed in their heart that Jesus is Lord, that today would be the day that they would do it. Father, you are a loving Maybe you want to start your relationship with Jesus today. I guarantee you one of these people up here would love to pray with you. Let's have faith in God this morning. Maybe you're walking around walls of the Jericho in your life right now. His promise still stands. Great is his faithfulness. I thought 
So true. Really think about your life, the things that have happened in your life. You can always pinpoint and look back and realize that God was with you every step of the way. It's our gift to us. He is with us every
We have a couple of real quick announcements. This coming Wednesday is our Revive Night, and we would actually love to see this room even more filled than it is right now. We have a lot of really amazing things planned, and it's not even our planning. We did a lot of prayer about what God wanted to do in Journey Church on Wednesday night, and we want you to be a part of it. Um, it be I believe it starts at 630 Yes, see, you'd think I'd know, but I don't. Um, 6.30 p.m., come in. We'll have child care for four years and under, but the other ones, your five-year-old, they can come in and worship with us. It's going to be amazing. You're going to love it. Please, please, please join us. 
That leads to the If Gathering. Um, if you came to the If Gathering last year, you know what a blessing it really was. This year, Crystal and I spent all this week planning and watching every single speaker and going through all of them, and it's, it, it, it surpasses last year. The words that are spoken, you're going to hear from people in our church. You're going to hear from the female pastors. There's going to be worship. There's going to be everything.